0: Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Vanessa Guerrero. I'm your other host, Elijah Taylor. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Overcoming Technical Difficulty.
1: Hey. Hey. We're doing it.
0: Uh, yeah, so, uh, we had a whole episode planned, a whole AMA ready to kick off, and then everything went to hell last night, so you're listening to this episode as we record it, as we post it. (laughs) It's like we're in your homes,
1: we broke in. Yeah, it's real time. It's happening live.
0: It's happening live. Uh, if you haven't listened before, uh, we are a podcast that takes horror movies and martial arts movies and pairs them together, uh, because they are two great tastes that taste great together. We'll be sued by Reese's at some point.
1: (laughs) I don't. I. I don't think they own that. I think you're allowed to call anything two great tastes that taste great together. It's not just peanut butter and chocolate. It's for the people. I don't know. Anyways,
0: <laughs> I mean, when it comes to like, whoa! I almost dropped some like horror community gossip but eh, i don't know everybody knows it when it comes to just like claiming if you own a pun Uh, clearly like this is where it'll happen (laughs) um no uh so basically one of us either picks a horror movie or a martial arts movie and then challenges the other one to come up with a double feature for it uh and uh if you've been listening before you know exactly how the deal goes and if not uh if a guest comes on they pick one and we come up with a with a counter for it
1: yeah it's very fun we like combining uh, two genres that are both kind of like the fringe overlooked genres yeah. uh, in terms of like mainstream cinema uh, and also, uh, yeah, two genres that don't get paired together often enough, but really should because mm. they got a lot in common.
0: They got a lot in common. And I just realized why I feel weird. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's not just all the technical difficulties we had getting this episode out i just realized we haven't recorded in the daylight since our like second episode
1: oh yeah yeah i mean some of the guest ones we we record during the daytime but as far as just me and you like it's always late night energy
0: it's always us you and it's it's always us at the end of the day when it's just like there's no one around let's get fucking weird
1: yeah but now it it feels like uh it feels like we're being scrutinized by the daylight and our our, our cat. Yeah, who is usually uh well no, she's always awake. I was going to say would usually be asleep, but like no, she's awake all the time. She's, she's always, always awake and walking around, recognizing us. Uh
0: we wanted to go ahead and start off with an AMA before this episode because we haven't had a chance to like read comments or questions in a while cuz we've been real swamped, so I wanted to take this opportunity to just I don't know. Shout out the amazing people that keep this podcast going every single week were the reasons we like want to get every episode out on a timely weekly basis. Uh,
1: And we love y'all. We we do love y'all. When it initially started, I didn't expect anyone to listen to it. So it was kind of uh, just an elaborate ploy to get my wife to watch more martial arts movies. And you did it. And I did it, and and now uh, it's it's so much better than I ever could have dreamed. We <laughs> get to like talk about these movies with our friends. It's cool. Exactly. Thanks, guys.
0: <laughs> uh, So the first one we have is from at corn forty seven corn dog. We love you, corndog. Uh, and the question is, if there's a... Well, actually, he has two. Is there a preference between Golden Harvest and Shaw Brothers? And can we find a way to pair, pair Cynthia Rothrock with horror one day? So I'll, I can answer the second one immediately, which is we're planning on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's been on the list for a while. Like, yeah. we, we both love some Rothrock, so that'll, that'll happen for sure. Uh, as for the first question, that is such a difficult question because <laughs> I think... I think for me, like, if I'm t- trying to be more objective, uh, like, okay, if if I had to, like, introduce someone to martial arts movies who had, like, never seen any, uh, and I had to, like, make a really strong sales pitch for, like, oh, yeah, these, like, classic kung fu movies uh-huh. are, are really great... I think more of what I would be showing them is probably Golden Harvest stuff because you get like As an a lot introduction. of- Yeah, you get a lot of like the, you know, like early like Jackie and Sammo stuff in there, like Magnificent Butcher. Um, I mean, a lot of movies that we've covered on here, like Wheels on Meals, um, Police Story. Like Golden Harvest did these, you know, like all-time greats that have like these really incredible set pieces and stunt work, you know, of course, because like Jackie's team- Uh, But there's just, like, a lot of really cool stuff in there. A lot of, like, Yuan Woping's pings like, early stuff and, like, that choreography. And so it's stuff that, like, I I guess feels a little more accessible and, like, I don't want to say, like, more legitimate, but it, like, holds up a little bit differently as, like, you know, a movie that you're watching now.
0: Yeah, Um, I wouldn't say it's a, a question of legitimacy. It's It kind of feels like the difference between, like, watching Casablanca and watching a period musical okay yeah yeah
1: no i get what you're saying yeah it's... um
0: because i love shaw brothers um it's between the two you kind of you use both to introduce me to martial yeah. arts movies and i have adored everything that comes with golden harvest and i love everything that comes with shaw brothers but i think shaw brothers movies um require like a little bit more era context yeah than golden harvest does and-
1: you, you have to be like a little more down for yeah like these period costumes and sets and like just this very like specific look and feel that those movies have and like even like yeah different type of choreography that's... and
0: social construct
1: yeah yeah because but...
0: there's stuff built into like a lot of the shaw brothers plots that like i sometimes don't understand unless i look it up where i'm like why right, is this person right. upset that x happened and i'm like oh that's like considered to be like an insult or losing face or or something yeah, yeah. or like a dynamic that i maybe don't understand between uh, two people that, like, of the era and in China at the time doesn't make sense to me. Or, like, a lot of Shaw Brothers stuff has, like, relationships with other countries that don't make sense because right, right. i don't understand what was happening right, between we like, don't have, like the historical context yeah, yeah. I, and so like
1: because we went to public school
0: <laughs> well you went to public school i went to a private school that was a rip-off uh, uh, right. <laughs> we uh learned about jesus instead of math and well. I, I know the guy can make a bunch of fish and bread into his stuff but i don't know division I don't know how much um but yeah like uh I have adored a lot of the Shaw Brothers stuff, but it's a lot like watching a period piece or something that's that's deeply. It, you can tell that it is not for the international audience.
1: Yeah, and I I think similar to yeah, like watching uh like a period musical, you have to be like a specific type of nerd to have it resonate mm-hmm. with you. Uh, having said that, I am that type of nerd, so Shaw too. Brothers all the way for me. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> I like it's a hard question to to answer objectively, but like. I don't need to be objective because it's an opinion and like Shaw Brothers a hundred percent. Like those are the movies that raised me and like the ones that I can still just, you know, watch. I And obviously there's a ton of golden harvest stuff that I watch over and over and over, but Shaw Brothers stuff just like hits a spot in my heart. I don't yeah. know. It just, those uh, movies are my dad.
0: I actually was thinking about this question before Corey asked it. Uh, I've yeah. been thinking about it for a bit Um, because I do get real amped when I see that Golden Harvest logo, but the more I watch a Shaw Brothers production and the more excited I get for these familiar faces that I am like developing like these obviously one-sided emotional relationships with these actors. Yeah. Where I'm just like so psyched to see them again and be like, Ooh, now he's doing something different from the last one that I saw. Um, Like all the Venoms
1: mob stuff. Like seeing that group of dudes just, Yeah. I, I do think, though, like if we were to list out like our favorites, I think you're definitely on the Golden Harvest side because you got like rumble in the bronx Duncan yeah master eastern condors like you get so much like good jackie stuff I'm really split yeah I'm split
0: between mom and dad <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it all right and then our next one is from at chance underscore second um so can we just say dead heat and BioZombie or Dragonhead and hereditary and that's what you want here yes we're also we taking want. suggestions <laughs> yes. um and those are some fantastic pairings dead
1: heat and BioZombie is super fun i also i think that like Actually, no, both of them. I was going to say Dead Heat, but, like, also Biozombie. Those are two really great movies that still, like, kind of don't get the love they deserve as far as just being, like, really fun and creative zombie movies. Yeah, like, I love
0: Biozombie. Yeah.
1: I think they should both be in more conversations about, like, I don't know, all-time zombie movies, or even just, like, you know, recommended as, you know, like, okay, you've seen Night of the Living Dead. Check out some weird stuff. I
0: smell a zombie mini-sode. Ooh
1: zombie mini so which i've been wanting to
0: have anyway because you know i've been having like a moment with uh zombies um ever since we watched uh the girl with all the gifts for the Rosie marks episode yeah yeah um,
1: that's true i've
0: been thinking a lot about uh zombies and horror and like everything we thought that would happen in a pandemic and then everything that we actually did um and also like at the beginning of the pandemic, people being like, Oh, it's okay. It like only affects like the sick and the elderly and like how quickly we were to write off. And it's like, Yeah, oh no, we're faster to like write off the infected. So like I think zombie movies not only hit differently, but I think like would be made differently now.
1: Absolutely. And it is, it really is. I think, you know, I said it on that episode, but it is horrifying to realize in 2021 that the <laughs> most Unbelievable, like the most unrealistic part of any zombie movie is how much empathy and compassion people have. <laughs> like, zombie movies portray a society in which most people are pretty cool, and then there's like maybe one guy who hides his zombie bite. Realistically, we, we now understand that, like,
0: it's a lot of that guy.
1: Like, five out of ten people are like, eh, I don't believe in zombies. <laughs> like, you're literally turning into a zombie. Nah, that's yeah. a government conspiracy. <laughs>
0: it's also nice to know that the other five out of ten are like i don't know the dude with the shotgun that rises up to be a hero like (laughs) the the percentage is real different than we thought it was yeah but it's like a 50 50 (laughs)
1: it's a more even split uh oh and then also the the other part of that comment uh i still need to watch uh dragon head and possibly read the manga because i'd had not heard of it but it sounds sweet
0: and you are a sucker for anything adapted from a manga
1: i i i don't know that i'm a sucker for anything adapted because there's a lot of terrible adaptations but i am just like a a fucking weeb (laughs) I've, i've also been reading a ton of manga this like last year i don't know why i think like the like pandemic and being stuck at home gave me weird like middle school vibes you know where i just like wasn't going out and wasn't super social so i just reverted back to like i don't know teenager elijah and i'm now just doing all the things that i did when i was like 12 or 13 so i'm mostly reading a ton of manga
0: (laughs) which like honestly i'm about to be in the same uh room as you i like i found all of our one pieces and i'm like all right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna finally do it
1: you gotta finally read all of one piece
0: uh, the next one is from Ian McAndrew at A Story in the End. Uh, we love Ian
1: McAndrew. We love you,
0: Ian. Uh, well, I recently just posted about why don't you play in Hell, Terror Firmer, and yes. One Cut of the Dead as a triple feature pairing, and wondering your thoughts on that. My thoughts are that I fucking love it.
1: Yes. No, I. We, it's weird that I haven't paired Why Don't You Play in Hell and One Cut of the Dead before. I guess I guess I have in a like uh, overarching way, which is that I have a running list of this premise that i love which is like a a group of like kind of oddballs makes a movie usually for a sort of weird reason yeah and like like just weird dorks making a weird dork movie and that's like one of my favorite structures of a film or brigsby prem- bear yeah brigsby bear uh, uh cecil be demented um the be kind rewind why don't you play in hell there's like this yeah list of movies that are that that I just adore every one of them Blair Witch <laughs> Blair Witch yeah but like yeah why don't you play in hell is legitimately just like one of my favorite movies and yeah one cut of the dead I also adore and is I love so charming one cut of the dead uh terra firma I actually haven't seen so I, I, I haven't to... either
0: so I feel like I'm talking
1: about two of those three movies a whole lot I know I
0: haven't seen terra <laughs> firma either so Ian i feel feel like you just gave us a new little weekend project
1: yeah gave us a gave us a, a sweet little task slash reward and i'm very into it uh, but yeah one cut and why don't you plan hell work together really well and i i like the way that specifically those two kind of i mean i don't want to spoil either one for like people who haven't seen them go watch both yeah. those movies we're eventually everyone...
0: gonna do them from an episode but like i highly recommend just making that your weekend yeah. watch
1: i just i like that one of them uh presents like a really absurd situation uh but in a way that's like yeah no it's really happening and then another uh d- sort of does the opposite i don't know it's very fun <laughs>
0: i'm a fan um and actually ian had a second uh there's two other questions with it and One ties into surprise that I haven't seen it. (sighs) Okay. So um, sometimes this thing happens to me, especially with movies that I liked in my youth. It happens less so now where I get so excited about a thing that any like adjacent thing uh, I get nervous about checking out Um, because I'm like, what if it doesn't hold up to like the conversation, for example, and uh, don't yell at me Uh, up until I want to say like two years ago Um, I am the biggest Wachowski Sisters fan. Um, I have seen every single movie but The Matrix at that point. Um, I loved Bound. It's my favorite noir movie and I had somehow just like not seen The Matrix and like avoided it forever. At one point some friends made me guess what I thought it was about and I got like pretty close. And then I finally saw The Matrix in like the best way possible. I saw it at the Vista like on the big screen in like beautiful mastering. The best way to see it for the first time. And I loved it. So now I'm trying to like watch those movies i was afraid to watch because i wasn't i was like oh god what if it like doesn't hold up to those expectations because my anxiety is ridiculous so um he wanted to know what my thoughts were on the waxwork sequel that i have not seen oh dang okay because <laughs> i love waxwork so much it's like such a comfort movie yeah, for me yeah. Both probably
1: wa- the biggest waxwork fan that i know probably because i think everyone that i know is like yeah waxwork is fun or like it's pretty good i don't know a lot of people who are like waxwork fucking shreds i will go to
0: every screening every q a um like china and waxwork is just one of my favorite characters period uh i really love waxwork and i haven't seen the sequel because i've just been like "Ah," nervous about it so i think i'm finally gonna do it and i think i'm gonna do it in the most kicking and screaming ridiculous way in that we always do sequels before we actually do the movie Which
1: uh, which is also this episode. Which is also this
0: episode. Um, And then the other one was if there's a mentor, teacher, or master, that was an encouragement to us on our path. And uh, I literally just told you about mine. Uh, I had a high school teacher, uh, his name was uh, Sun Kim, uh, what up Mr. Yeah, Kim, and up, Mr. Uh, Kim. he was my teacher, but I didn't know that he and w- the English teacher had a production company together. Yeah. Um, and I was a ne'er-do-well, and Mr. Kim was constantly trying to keep me out of trouble, um, and so a couple weekends he would hire me to like uh, help out on these like little uh, productions, and uh, one of them was starring Doug Jones. <laughs> so I like spent a month as an 18 year old getting Doug Jones coffee. Nicest dude it was very alive, cool. so sweet. Like he'd remember every detail about me every time that I came back. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, Mr. Kim because he got me into uh, just we did not have the same taste in movies at all. His was very conservative, and I uh, would get in trouble for drawing uh, ladies' butts on my books. <laughs> but uh, he like made me fall in love with like everything that goes on behind the scenes, and he's the reason why I see every production to, an, to its finale, even if I don't like it, as like a pure miracle, because every time something ends up on a screen, it's a miracle. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, it definitely be Mr. Kim. Why am I weepy this early in the Aww. episode? <laughs>
1: that's that's good though. That's thank you. Yeah, Mr. Kim sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm glad that you had that influence. And um, I uh,
0: shot a sticky dart at his forehead once. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I you know have like learned to fight from various people, which is uh, very cool, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but there's not. Uh, you know, like one uh particular relationship, I guess, in that regard, that was like, oh yeah, this like, um, you know, shaped who I am, I guess, because even like when I when I started fighting professionally, I I was like, in my uh, you know mid late twenties, and so uh, it, it I'm like super grateful for like the opportunities, but it wasn't so much like, oh yeah, this like turned me into a different person. Uh, I think like you know ultimately. Uh, in terms of, like, mentor, teacher, uh, trainer, anybody, Uh, just my mom, you know? (laughs) She's the one who got me into horror and martial arts movies and also, like, was encouraging me at a young age to, like, pursue learning martial arts. She's like, I think you'd be really into it. Like, (laughs) you should try fighting sometime. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm not an athlete. And I, you know, in retrospect, wish that I had, like, taken her up on her offer to like put me in martial arts classes when i was a kid because then i'd be way better at fighting especially because she was a bruiser herself yeah (laughs) she was like known for being a very good fighter and i definitely watched her beat up a couple of grown men at various points in my childhood (laughs) because they you know they were overstepping (laughs) she beat the hell out of one of our neighbors (laughs) once (laughs) because uh yeah, the neighbor like mouthed off to my sister uh, who, you know, was a literal child and the neighbor, you know, was saying some shit they shouldn't have. So my mom went over and like knocked on the door and was very like sweet and just like, hey, I, you know, I live across the hall. Like my, my daughter said that you said this is, is that true? Like, did you say that to her? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And then beat the hell out of this person <laughs> in their home. And uh, my favorite part of that story was that the next day my grandmother was coming over to visit and saw the the woman who had you know gotten beaten up uh and my grandma had no idea like what the context was she didn't know that her daughter was the one who did this to this woman didn't even know the woman and was it, my grandmother herself just a deeply like inappropriate person who will just say grandma yeah uh saw her and said wow what mac truck hit you because <laughs> she just saw a lady who had clearly been in a fight and was, <laughs> was like your little mom yeah, was like damn you lost <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, uh so I guess yeah, my grandma, my mom, my older sister, uh all the people who got me into all the stuff that I'm into today.
0: Yeah, and that actually inspired my pick for this week. Yeah, uh, because you and I were talking about comfort movies and again, I'm a massive horror fan, but it was something that I found like later than Elijah um, <laughs> I think most people found later than Elijah. <laughs> because when I was nine, my favorite movies uh, were things like Five Will Go we- Goes West, and uh, I read a lot of Matilda, and uh, Elijah read a ton of Clive Barker on the that page. That's <laughs> true. Um, so I'm picking Elijah's Comfort movie when he was nine this week. So for your f- feature presentation, I have chosen... <laughs> Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. Which is
1: the best one. I will defend this to the death. It's I'm the it's the best one in the franchise. I'm
0: still at one, three, and then everything else,
1: which is a totally fair ranking. Which is
0: a totally fair ranking. One
1: is a masterpiece, but a
0: lot of people on your on your side, yes. like a lot of my favorite people. Shout out to Heather Buckley.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> she gets it.
0: Heather gets it. Like I posted this, and she was immediately just like, "Yo, I am trying to buy the 35 millimeter." It's so good. Um, yeah, it's it's three is. If, if you're, like, one of the coolest people in my life, three is your favorite. <laughs> I'm standing by one being my favorite, but, right. like, I get it. Having watched it again, I get it. Yeah,
1: no, and, like, you, you're you not wrong. Like, the first Texas Chainsaw is, you know, an absolute masterpiece, and we will, you know, cover it at some point on the podcast, yeah. and that's one that I can, you know, talk about for hours. Uh, it's, it is a perfect movie. The third one is just, it's so much more fun. It goes so fucking hard, and especially... Uh, unfortunately I gotta like give the caveat we streamed it on HBO Max and it is the like censored version of the movie uh which is a bummer so you're like you caught
0: it immediately
1: yeah it's like you, you're missing uh you know a lot of like the the good uh up close violence it's something like I don't know how much is cut but it seems like there's, there's a few kills there's there's a there's Not few kills like I think just a lot of small moments of like there should be an insert here of like a close up of brutal violence and they like cut
0: mm-hmm. most
1: of those. So it's that thing where it's like ah, it's like maybe a couple of small things, but it feels like it's actually like a lot of the runtime of the movie. <laughs>
0: a lot of the little girl being included in on it. Was yeah, out. yeah.
1: The, like my favorite scene is the the girl uh like pulling the the thing to swing the hammer uh to to kill the like Weasley boyfriend, uh and it's so good because you know when do you see like a small child gleefully you know kill someone with a sledgehammer to the face and you know she's like cheered on by the family and stuff and it's just like haha yeah I love doing this uh and that scene like is like burned into my memory uh and I was really disappointed that that was gone uh but yeah it if you you know have an uncut version of it uh if you have the version that is not censored it goes way harder uh the aforementioned scene with the little girl is awesome uh but it also just like it you know fleshes out the family a bit more you have more of these like wild characters each one just like it's like a if you if you took a near dark like bill Paxton's character who's just this absolute animal that like tears up every scene he's in and you you made five of them you know <laughs> you've got like yeah ev- every character in the family is just like a completely like unhinged maniac that is like
0: <sighs> I love the family dynamics I think uh, more in this one than I do the
1: first one yeah and you know it's like obviously you still get Leatherface in there but you also get like Vigo Mortensen as Tex who <sighs> is one of the best like slasher characters of all time who
0: because... awakened something in me <laughs>
1: <laughs> right no because it's vigo Mortensen possibly like peak hot like yeah he is gorgeous in this movie and he's just like tall and he's dressed like a cowboy and he's got those Favorite piercing untethered eyes. hottie Yeah, but then there's something about like the way he plays it where he's like this beautiful charming like cool cowboy but from the first time he smiles you're like I kind of don't trust him, you know, and like cuz he he shows up as, like, hey, I'm a cool, nice guy. You should trust me. But there's immediately something about, like, ah, oh, he's sexy, but he's dangerous.
0: Yeah, which is very much his vibe. I can't remember. I think it was in, like, GQ or Marie Claire or something. I was, like, reading it in a doctor's office. But there was this, like, Vigo Moritz interview that I am obsessed with, in which the interview, like, went to go meet with him. And instead of, like, talking about his movie, Vigo waxed poetic over, like the uh insane period of time that a mcdonald's french fry is perfect where he was like (laughs) what he was like there's such a small window in between the fry being perfect and the fry being garbage and you just have to like consume it in that time (laughs) and and then he uh took the interviewer to go visit his gravely ill father shoot archery and then uh talk to some horses (laughs) I want to interview Vigo. <laughs> and the whole time the interviewer is just like asking questions and Vigo's like, I'm somewhere else. And uh, it was from that moment that I was like, I would die for this man.
1: He's a force of nature. And I He's love a it. force
0: of nature. And so like him being in this movie is like why it like skyrockets to like my very close number two spot
1: yeah um but there, oh, there's so much good though
0: there's so much good like he is a like percentage of what makes this movie fantastic and he's a strong percentage yeah um and
1: jeans <laughs> Oh uh, yeah.
0: good era of jeans you it know when like... denim was
1: stiff and it just held your ass up real high oh, yeah it was a lot of a lot of good denim in this movie. Yeah, a lot of good denim on denim action. A lot of good butts.
0: Um, also great horror movie couple for this kind of movie in which I'm like a little bit more invested in the villains of the story um, because that's what you come to like the table for when it comes to like a Leatherface movie or I'm like yeah. I care I'm like I'm watching for Leatherface I'm watching for the family don't give me like a completely disposable couple but like make me dislike them enough to where this is still kind of like fun for me
1: yeah exactly like you have to be like invested in the characters so that you know when when they're in danger you care and you also have to <laughs> have a reason to cheer when one of them gets killed
0: yeah and like
1: and they do that perfectly because she like she is actually like pretty likable and cool and you like want to root for her to survive but then he sort of sucks ryan sucks (laughs) yeah
0: ryan sucks so bad like from go he's just so fighty and so rude and so aggressive but also like just a smarmy asshole
1: yeah he's got he's got the most punchable face and like his entire uh Yeah, attitude and demeanor. And I love his first interaction with Tex because he comes out and is like mirroring Tex's body language. He's like doing like the hands on the hips and trying to like look the way he does but he's like a full like foot and a half shorter and it's very like who the hell's this guy
0: yeah and michelle's like (laughs) clearly already a little bit over him at
1: the beginning of the movie
0: and very much just like feeling the heat of vigo's loins
1: (laughs) 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 yeah and like their first uh conversation like you can uh, it it becomes clear that they're going to break up you know that like this is like a kind of like last weekend type of thing Mm -hmm. and you know, that he's like, yeah, whatever we, you know, you're, you're going away and we're splitting up either way. And she's like, yeah, so like, let's try to enjoy this. But he, you know, seems pretty opposed to having any kind of joy.
0: Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty hell bent on like ruining this weekend. And she's trying to deliver a car to her father in Florida. Um, That car keeps breaking down. So I don't know why her father wants it so fucking bad.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Like even before all like the stuff that's going on in between, uh, you know, like presumably sabotaged by like Tex and
1: uh yeah I mean act- actually it might be it might be like running okay before then it's possible that Tex and Alfredo like sabotage it, or it's I
0: mean yeah. she did hit that armadillo
1: oh that's right she hits she hits the dilla yeah why you said it like like Texas like, I that did not mean to oh is this because you lived in El Paso you say oh, armadillo damn it <laughs> I lived
0: there for like four years in adulthood. Uh, yeah. uh, I liked El Paso, but I like El Paso for a weekend. Um,
1: <laughs> that's that's valid.
0: I need to be around liquor stores that close at 6 a.m. Um, I mean, that never close ever at all, that are just constantly open for me at all times. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so sh- they hit the armadillo. Yeah. <laughs> i almost said armadildo for some reason
1: <laughs> when you try to enunciate you just
0: it, it was just coming out um but then they have that moment of sabotage and so they they get to that station where they meet tex but there's another character there that you have a history with
1: so i <laughs> it's uh, i i almost wish that i hadn't like uh because i like said this immediately when when the movie started i was like oh man this was my favorite character when i was a kid and it's important to note that like when you're a child i think you know you like gravitate to different things and also are not a- i
0: watch sling blade all the time who knows why we did what we did right
1: and like as a kid i realized that like i missed the parts of the character where he's a sex criminal (laughs) i like was not as conscious of that as a kid where i'm just like yeah he's a goofy dude who talks fun you know and so like as a kid and i realized exactly what it was when tex is talking about him for the first time he says like he's a bit touched in the head or something and he he says like he's kind of the town oddball and as a kid i i I loved any character who was like the town oddball or like the weirdo or the outcast because that was like how I identified as a kid. I was like, I'm weird and don't have friends. And so any character that comes on screen, it's like, oh, they're the town weird guy. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm immediately behind this character. Uh, So from a very young age, I thought Alfredo was cool. And I guess like (laughs) when I was, you know, like, baby size like a like a toddler who sees words on TV and then just parrots them without knowing the meaning. Uh I was a big Alfredo fan and I guess like would watch that movie and like imitate the voice and my mom and sister would encourage it because they thought it was really funny to have this little kid like doing the Alfredo voice. Hey, mister. Yeah. And apparently there was a time that we were at a grocery store and I like waddled up to a stranger and kind of slapped him on the leg or like on the back was just like, hey hey like trying to get his attention like a like a kid does and i went hey mister mister and he turned around and i went fuck you mister (laughs) in the the alfredo voice so just this little like round-faced toddler in a big puffy jacket waddles up to you at the grocery store goes excuse me mister fuck you mister and fortunately the dude thought it was hilarious but was like what is happening and my mom had to apologize it's like i don't know he saw a movie we didn't let him watch it we have to go
0: but yeah. also like i've made that mistake as a child too because you don't know what shit means you don't know what words
1: mean and
0: i like saw in some movie that somebody made like the motion for like someone's drunk like uh-huh. you know like you like You'd you like you like you throw your thumb and pinky back and you go like glug, 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 glug. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't know that means drunk. I thought it meant silly. Oh, and so right. I was at the grocery store with my mom and my mom was like, oops, I got the wrong one. Can I put it back? And the cashier was like, sure thing. And I was like, you know my mom. Glug, 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 glug.
1: <laughs> Just telling strangers at the grocery store, like, sorry, my mom's drunk. And she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's so good.
0: Uh, I can't wait until we have children that make us leave buildings in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: going to happen.
0: It's going to happen. We're going to have to apologize to a lot of strangers. Yeah. Um. And Speaking of strangers, uh, the strangers that they meet at this gas station surprise are a part of the family yeah
1: and uh, i i really like the way that it's like presented and introduced because you have uh you know alfredo clearly being a creep and it's like you know he shows up and you're like oh this dude is bad news he's obviously you know part of the family he's like clearly a villainous character and then Tex shows up and he's got, you know, swagger and this like effortless Vigo Mortensen cool. And he's like, hey, you've given them trouble. And Alfredo's like, oh, no, absolutely not. And he's like, yeah, sorry about him. He's a weirdo, but you can trust me. And I really love this weird like gaslight, m- like manipulation that they have going that like part of the game they run is having Tex be like the cool charismatic mm-hmm. one. Because, you know, one, it feels more in line with like, uh, serial killers, I guess that you have like the dude who approaches to, you know, be like, try to like charm them. And, you know, the kind of like sociopath that's like, Oh, you can trust me. You should like take my instructions and like, you know, follow what I say. Uh, and two it, like them having this sort of scheme, it, the entire the entire like setup of the third movie something that i love about it is that they are they're hunters in this and like you know the the entire franchise is kind of like founded on this premise of like humans being treated the way that we treat animals you know like the first one was like this is this is a butcher shop you know these are butchers this is what we do to animals that we're butchering for meat and you know like uh, toby hooper like famously like was a vegetarian for a while and i think somebody else maybe like del toro said that like it turned him off of meat for a while but it was like you know people like making the movie and watching the movie having that reaction of like you know i don't think i'm going to eat beef for a bit because you know you have the whole hang him upside down yeah. by the hook hit him on the head with a hammer drain the blood and yeah when you put a human in that role it's objectively horrifying but i i really i thought it was like a very smart choice to like like okay we've seen you know butcher we've seen butcher shop let's you know take that to like a different place that we also you know are, are pursuing and killing animals for meat and making them making them hunters you know giving them like traps in the woods and like this this kind of different structure of it that's not like oh yeah we bring you in and we kill you it's like oh we like we wounded them and now we're like following the trail of blood through the woods and it's part of it is like the sport and the game of it that they they enjoy yeah and i i really like that whole like structure of it you know like from the beginning with tech saying like oh no no your map is outdated you want to go in this direction and like leads them to the hunting grounds yeah uh which also side note i realized like until the advent of you know like smartphones and like gps that you keep in your pocket like Mm -hmm. there really was a time that like if a cowboy was confident enough, he could just ruin your whole last life. He'd just show up and be like, yeah, no, go over there. And you're like, but the map says this way. He's like, "Nah, but I'm a cowboy. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like I'll, I'll do anything you say. Yeah,
0: sure. Cigarette companies tell me you're the coolest guy alive. It's true. Uh, no, I get that. And like, I think making it more of a hunt than a slaughter thing is such a good escalation for, for the third movie. Um, there's a character in this that I love that's also like one of my favorite things to do in horror movies, um, which is Benny the Survivalist. Yes. Um, one of my favorite things is giving someone an excuse to like survive a little bit more, even if it's like a little bit outside of like reasonable doubt to where i'm like okay they can't survive that i will go that much further if they're like a survivalist or a doctor or something yeah where they're equipped for this because then you can like beat up that character a little bit more and you know it it works in your head the mental math is like quickly done like it's why i really like the shallows uh that shark movie uh, with Blake Lively on The Rock, oh, with the with bird, the, with the bird, yeah, the bird, with the bird actor, because uh, she's a med student, so you can kind of, uh, you know, get her bit by that shark, and she has to stitch herself up, and you know, she can last up there a little bit longer, and and you don't have that thing where you're like, well, how are they doing that? Or another movie that I really really love, um, You're Next, where the yeah. character like reveals to her boyfriend that she was raised in a survivalist camp. Um, anytime you add that element, you can take that character like a little bit further and further into like brutal territory and they can make it out sooner and it's like s- it, it still works. You don't you don't have that thing where like, oh come on. So yeah. the second Benny was like, I'm a survivalist, I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, yeah, so they they're being pursued by uh, you know, the the family, uh who keep kind of like striking out at them and then letting them run a little bit like these, you know, wounded animals that they're pursuing. Uh, But then, yeah, they get into an accident uh, and nearly hit the the truck of of Benny, the survivalist, uh, who who joins up with them and starts helping them. Uh, And something that I do love about making him specifically this like kind of survivalist doomsday prepper type dude is that, you know, you can you can create that character by being like, you know, oh, he he's an ex-soldier, you know, he has military training or yeah, like you said, you, you make him, you know, a surgeon or a doctor and mm-hmm. they can like patch up wounds. Uh, you know, you could make him like a former like cop or he's a private investigator or something where it would like make sense for him to like have a gun uh, or like, oh, I used to be a boxer. So I'm good at fighting. But something about like specifically survivalist doomsday prepper, I really love because it gives this like extra layer of. He's a dude who's been waiting for this. It's not just that he has the skill set. He's a dude who goes out of his way to plan for like, oh, what if it happens? Oh boy, I'm I'm gonna be ready and no one else is gonna be ready. Yeah. And and something about that, because he even has a line where they're like, what are you? Some kind of soldier? And he like kind of grins and he's like, just on weekends. And like this is his weekend activity. This is the thing that he does for fun. And I love it because it adds this bizarre like gleefulness to it. There are multiple times that he's, like, you know, fighting or, like, you know, attacking or killing a member of the family and laughs. He has this, like, really just, like, this jubilance of, like, you know, setting a dude on fire and being like, ah, gotcha, fucker. (laughs) And there's something about that that, like, you know, it works with the character, but it also just changes the entire tone of, like, the third act of the movie where you have two... Like you have your survive survivors, you know your like would be victims, and you have your family of killers, and both are kind of unhinged by the end. Both groups are just like grinning and like wild. Michelle is laughing. Yeah, she's just she's just in it. She's like, ha ah, ha, yeah, fuck him up, fight me, like <laughs> yeah.
0: She's all about it. Um, and I should give a uh shout out to a character that Benny interacts with at one point. Um. Because one thing I really love about the Chainsaw Massacre movies is the survivors are changed in a way that are, like, very different from yes. other movie survivors. Yes. Um, other movie survivors, you know, like, they tend to be, like, shaken up. They're usually, like, in the back of the ambulance. And I feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, every time someone survives, they're, like, forever changed into someone that's, like, kind of desensitized to the gore and, like, manically thrilled that they yes. got out of it.
1: No, it is. I, I love it because it it does that and it also, like earns it like the family is so viscerally upsetting like at every turn that it fully is it's not like oh a guy tried to kill me with a knife you know which obviously like is horrifying and upsetting like would give you like all sorts of like PTSD and things to work through but that's something that you can like wrap your head around I guess and like create like weave that into the framework of like what you understand reality to be the family is so Removed from that, they're just speaking a different language and using a different alphabet, and like you can't comprehend their like mindset, really. Yeah. And so, like, they are so removed from anything that, like. Y- your brain can prepare you for that like yeah if you spent uh i think she says she's been there for like five days or something or like a week sarah and yeah yeah she's who, yeah
0: at the beginning of the movie you saw her sister gina getting her face removed
1: yeah yeah and she's been like on the run and being pursued by them for a while and it's like yeah no Five days of that would change your brain forever. The rules an, are different now. Yeah, like an hour of that would like change the way you view every social interaction, like every facet of the world. And they like it earns that in a way that you know, like Michael Myers wouldn't necessarily like. You'd be like, yeah, rattled or forever. Or
0: from the first movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and like I, even like the tagline for the original movie, "Who will survive and what will be left of them?" You know, I think is like generally read and maybe even intended in like a a literal sense of like oh they're hacking people up with a chainsaw like teasing that like oh I might like lose some of my parts like what will be left of me but also like psychologically like what's left of the person that entered that house you know because like it it fully changes you and I, I really love that they they illustrate that with the character who yeah is just fleeing through the woods and is so like come get me yeah and just like so erratic and she's just drenched in blood and grit and it's just like ah
0: yeah and it's the same thing with like you know spoiler to the end benny and michelle like they're the survivors they're the ones that like drive off into the sunset and they're different like they are like very very clearly different from the beginning of the ordeal
1: yeah it ends with them like blasting alfredo with a shotgun Benny has had his head lightly chainsawed, so he's just got this. (laughs) Lightly
0: chainsawed is a my cellar door, I think.
1: (laughs) Lightly chainsawed, it's a very like pleasant series of sounds. Yeah, Um, but yeah, they're both like yeah, just just maniacs by the end, and they they blast Alfredo with a shotgun, leave his body in the desert, and they're like, "There's roadkill all over this state. (laughs) Just drive away." um not even like oh we should go to the police but just like yeah we got (laughs) them and then they're where are they even going at that point yeah it doesn't feel like she's like still heading to see her dad or whatever she's forgotten the car that she was supposed to deliver she's got a different set of priorities now they're just gone man and like
0: even in the middle of it, like, when Ryan is still alive and they're, like, still together, I, like, notice that change starting sooner. Because uh when they're being pursued by Leatherface, uh, who isn't played by Gunner this time. Yeah. And um, you can tell. You can tell a little bit. Uh the he he's not like as physically imposing as he yeah. normally is. It's a different physicality. Um, it's a different physicality. It's still good, but like Gunner has such a I don't know how to describe it, but it's like if a bear had like wacky arm inflatable arms. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> No, he, he really does bring like yeah, such a really specific sort of performance and like presence to that role. Like you feel it when it's gunner.
0: Yeah, you know, you know when it's him. Um, although again, this is a great leather face. <laughs> I love that new chainsaw that he gets as like a gift from the family. Oh yeah, the is family. The Saw is family. You know, I love all of those elements. But as he's like chasing Michelle and Ryan through the woods, Ryan gets caught in a bear trap. And yep. Michelle looks back at him, kind of goes to help him, realizes the attempt is futile, runs back, looks back, like, one last time, and then just keeps going.
1: Yeah, and that, like, that's fully the moment where she is just in, like, wild animal who's being pursued mm-hmm. mentality. Like, she is no longer the person that she was because, like, yeah, there's there's her boyfriend and, like, oh, they're in this together. She realizes, like, nope, lost cause. If I try, try to help him, we're both going to die dead. and I'm prioritizing survival. So she gets that moment where she, like, looks back. She's like, fuck nope and just leaves and I I love it like I cheer at that moment I'm just like yeah yeah
0: because she is cornered animal to the rest of the movie and like all of the choices that she makes are now entirely based on like making it to the end Yeah, Uh, and like from from that moment, even when she's like tied in the chair, she's she's different. She's, yeah. She's well, I
1: mean, she's she, they nail her hands to the chair, mm-hmm. and she eventually rips them up, just like pulls the nails out through the hand, which oh, is so God. gruesome. And
0: that like, actress does such a great job of just like screaming through the bandages and just like hulking out of her seat.
1: Yeah, and even the screams, like you know, it's like fear, obviously, but there's like a primal element to it where it's not just like ah, oh, they're gonna hurt me. It's just scream. <laughs>
0: Well, before they kill Ryan, it's, ah, they're going to hurt me. And then after they kill Ryan, it's fight me, fucker. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, it's so good. And and yeah, the entire scene, like once you're at the house with the family, the fucking grandpa dude they they reference their grandpa they're like oh yeah we got to get like fresh blood for grandpa and it is so clearly a thousand year old corpse with like fresh blood around the mouth and literally every time he's on screen i giggle like a school child i like it's a delightful element it is so beautiful just this like mummified shriveled little skeleton that's the goofiest most cartoonish looking little like dead old guy they're like yeah we got to get blood for grandpa and it just cuts to lifeless corpse it gets me every time and it's not like not even in like a you know oh it's hilariously like it's just so overdone that it's not even like a horror element anymore it just is a cartoon every time he's on screen i'm losing it
0: it's uh an element of like it's something that I always find funny uh, in a movie where a grandparent is so old that they're just like a husk of it. Like yeah. I think even Tina Fey like made one a puppet once.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: like anytime someone like hits that age and then it just becomes like a husk. Uh, yeah. It's it's always such a like cruel sense of humor that I find hilarious. And so the grandpa was making me giggle every time. Um, But I think the moment that it also like got me because sometimes we forget and not in like an unintentional way in like a deliberate cruel way the uh chainsaw massacre franchise is funny
1: yeah it really is and
0: it's not funny in a lot of the elements that sometimes we think it is it's funny in that the family thinks they're hilarious
1: yeah the like, victims
0: don't but they find themselves
1: very funny right well no and like they have weirdly a believable family dynamic Mm -hmm. where like it feels like thought went into this that's not just like oh here is a room full of murderers you know and they're not just like i present pure evil and like madness at all times like they they live there like you can see them having lives outside of the moments where they're like killing and eating people like they have conversations they like you know they have a family dynamic they make jokes they crack each other up and it like you know it feels like you're at a family dinner at just like a real fucked up family's house yeah
0: and so like the scene that gets me is when she's like begging the mother who wheels in to help her and she like holds her hand to her stoma and basically like threatens her back as like, oh, you thought I was the gentle one. Yeah. And it always like kinda gets me too, because it's like, why in this entire room of people would you think this one right. is gonna help you why out? Why do you assume
1: that there's one person here who's like fine with like who who can exist in this environment but then be like, oh no, we gotta let her go.
0: And <laughs> like... the fact that she like responds like that, where she's just like, shut the fuck up, is like yeah. it's 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 comical to me cuz like she's used to that reaction.
1: Yeah, it's true. It does like add She's that, tired of it. Yeah. Like you can you can just immediately tell from context that like yeah, this this happens every time. <laughs> I uh I also love the uh I I think he's the father that has the uh prosthetic hand and there's just like a weird additional layer of characterization for him in which he's like he's been shot, he's bleeding and it, earlier he says something about like uh like you know I love technology technology is our friend but then he's like been shot and he's like looking at his prosthetic hand and looking at his blood and he's like god make me machine like get rid of this this meat or whatever <laughs> and just like resents his human form and wishes that he was like all mechanical and was all technology and it's weird because like they don't they don't have to add that element but they do and immediately I'm like I love this additional layer of, like, psychology and madness to this character. Like, it it just makes him so much more unique among horror villains that, like, you know, we don't have an origin story in which we find out that, like, he's always dreamed of becoming a machine. But, like, you get one line of dialogue and you're like, all right, there he is. That's all I need.
0: Yeah. It, there's a lot of those thoughtful elements to where it's just like it's 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 so not fed to you.
1: Yeah, no, but like it gives you so much, uh, just yeah, context and like characterization of of this family that like every one of them could lead a horror movie on their own. Like yeah, like Tex could be the only antagonist and it would be like an amazing slasher like, You know, you could have just the father with the prosthetic hand who's obsessed with technology. You could have just the little girl who's like you know stabbing people and killing them with hammers and stuff and you're like any one of them is is enough and the fact that we get all of them is just such a treat
0: and their dynamics in between each other wow and like the 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 final scene um in which we like create these dynamics in between these characters and then mush them together in which uh benny comes in and you like shoots shoots everyone and uh we end up in that like yes and we end up in that like body bog
1: um,
0: that i adore because any other movie would be like all right we'll make this like we'll wrap it up pretty quickly like he gets his final kill in you know they get like an oh my god are you okay and you know we're done the audience got what they came here for and we're done not this movie um we're in that bog for a fucking while,
1: we're in, it for a while.
0: <laughs> we're in it for a while we get like a great wrestling match in between benny and leatherface and then the chainsaw is just like flailing wildly in
1: the water yeah which i love
0: and like
1: <laughs> benny
0: gets lightly chainsaw
1: <laughs> lightly chainsaw just a bit <laughs>
0: but the whole time you have michelle like you know like slapping the ground and just like like an animal like cheering and laughing and like benny's struggling so at this point it's not even that like benny has such a one-up is she's just like
1: no like i mean ostensibly indulging in the chaos right like benny loses that fight like for all intents and purposes he is the loser he survives we find out later Mm -hmm. but in the moment he seems very much dead and like You know, if you're going round for round, he definitely lost that round. Yeah. But she's just on the sidelines, like, yeah, fight him kill him and it is such a like such a primal like animal thing that she's just like
0: she's like on all fours yeah
1: and at this point she could just she could be running she could still like you know just like prioritize survival or she could be like trying to help or attack leatherface but it's fully just like she's a spectator to violence at this point and she is into it she's just like yeah fuck him up yeah
0: because then she like kills leatherface and we have that like Fantastic ending scene where you know the truck pulls up and she's ready to fight again, but this time it's Benny and surprise, it's Alfredo, and they drive off into the sunset. And uh, of course, it wouldn't be a Chainsaw Massacre movie if we didn't have the tease at the end that Leatherface was alive the whole time. Of
1: course, you can't kill Leatherface, he's too big and strong.
0: Uh, but what on earth could we possibly pair
1: with this movie oh man oh man uh i do want to real quick also highlight the scene where leatherface is using his little like uh c and say uh learning device <gasps> yes and it shows like a person who is sad and it's like type in what this is and he just types in f o o d it's it's such a good moment because it really does like it, it's very like comical and you know like feels even in the moment like it's played for laughs but it also does emphasize that like their brains work different they are they are from a different plane of reality where like you see an image of a person and you're like yes food um really great scene but uh yeah there this was a tough one for me because i do have such a like like love for this movie that the temptation was there to like really overthink it and of course you know there's the you know possibility of like oh do I pair it with like something else that I like loved as a kid and make it like two comfort movies uh you know but then that's just that's just my stuff uh so I I think uh I I still don't necessarily know what I'm gonna put with the first one uh which is you know kind of folk horror and maybe I'd lean into that the second one uh, has a, a pretty good chainsaw fight at the end, and so I would definitely want to put Tiger on beat with that. Uh, the third one, you know, you are three movies in, what do you what do you latch onto? Yeah. And so I tried to kind of go with just like the absurdity of the characters, the kind of the fact that this movie does just like slap a little harder. It's got a little more action. It feels a little more like. Uh, like a, a, a little more punk rock in that way that it's just like more, you know, people are getting set on fire and, you know, people are fighting and wrestling all over. Uh, and also, uh, things are being made out of human skin. Yeah. <laughs> so I went with the, uh, Shaw brothers, martial arts horror classic, which is both kicking and screaming. <laughs> human lanterns. Uh, I love Human Lanterns. Uh it's it's one that's like been on this list forever of like movies we'll have to do eventually because it's both martial arts and horror. Uh and I think I was kind of back pocket like saving it for a Texas Chainsaw because uh you know w- you got you got two skin flicks. Ah. I I stole that joke from Vanessa. She said it before the podcast. I let you have it, though. I I I was going to
0: let you have it. You didn't even have to credit me. No,
1: but I I want the people to know. My wife is very smart and funny. She's very cool.
0: (laughs) I like when you're nice to me. Um, (laughs) Which is all the time. I was
1: going to say, there's an implication there.
0: (laughs) I realize there's an implication, so I need to say Elijah's nice to me all the time. Um, But I hadn't seen Human Lanterns before, and I love this movie literally within the first 30 seconds i was like this is a perfect pairing because yeah. it immediately opens with people being skinned yeah, um, being
1: skinned and like there's some weird big wheel that like we never fully see what it does but it like maybe grinds people usually somehow.
0: like you can use it for like flour or also when you're like grinding soybeans to make soy milk oh. um so
1: is he grinding their bones to make his bread
0: (laughs) i don't know he's doing some with blood up in there i don't know he's making some kind of pulp um but yeah it's like a rock that like spins on another rock and so you'd put like the soybeans in on top and then you would turn it and then like the mash comes out the bottom
1: very cool i never knew what that thing was i was just like oh i got a big grinder but his is filled with blood for skeletons
0: (laughs) some reason um and it's I love the plot of this because it makes me realize that the main character in this Master Lung um, might be the biggest dum dumb in the history of dum dums on this podcast um, oh, in terms man. of like people that run towards danger or just he like make be. ridiculous choices, whether it be like a horror movie or a martial arts movie. Because why don't you explain <laughs> the plot of Human Lantern? Yeah,
1: no, Lung might be the dumbest asshole of any protagonist we've had in this uh in this podcast history uh so the the movie is uh, two two like local kind of rich guy rivals uh you know they're these i guess like sort of playboys of the time uh it is it is lung and master tan and uh they're they're at a festival that tan has invited everybody to uh they're at the celebration And Tan uh, brings out like this guest of honor uh, who everyone immediately recognizes as a a prostitute that Lung has, like, cheated on his wife with. Pretty Uh, openly. Pretty openly. He's, like, been having a pretty consistent affair.
0: So it's not, like, a surprise to anyone.
1: No. And so, like, Lung is, like, up on this, like, kind of dais of, like, you know, like, oh, honored guests. And then he's like, oh, check out my next honored guest. And everyone's like, ooh, that's the lady he cheats on his wife with. And (laughs) Lung is is furious. He's like, how dare you clown on me like this in front of everyone. And uh, he swears to get his revenge by uh, totally embarrassing Tan at the upcoming Lantern Festival. He's like, oh, my Lantern is going to be so much sicker than your Lantern. That's
0: definitely going to be an equivalent amount of revenge. Right.
1: (laughs) Like, I mean, first of all, you know, if the way you avoid that situation is don't consistently and openly cheat on your wife for a long period of time. Uh, So it's really like Lung put himself in this situation. He dug this hole. He, He made this bed. But then he's like, I know how I'll get him back. I'll make a really sweet lantern. Uh, Long himself has no skills at making a lantern. So he seeks out a master craftsman, you know, the greatest lantern maker, who also happens to be his previous rival, who, like, I, I've i always kind of wondered if Human Lanterns is a sequel to something and I don't know it. Like, I, I even, like, Googled it before this just to, like, double check and, like, couldn't find anything. But he shows up. He finds a guy who's been in hiding, and there's a flashback that looks very much like it could have been like the ending of the previous movie, uh, in which they have a sword fight. Lung slices up his face and leaves him scarred, uh, <laughs> and is just like, "Ha ha, sucks to be you, bye." And and that's their previous interaction. So this dude hates him. This guy it's literally the rivalry that he has with with Tan right now. the rivalry that he had with this guy is so much more severe. the stakes were so much higher. he
0: messed up his face
1: yeah they fought with swords and he carved up his face. but he's like, I know who I'll enlist to help me get revenge. the dude who swore a blood oath of revenge against me and it's not subtle. It's not like he shows up and the guy's like, you know, that's all in the past. I'm a peaceful man now. It's good that you came here. I wanted to apologize or whatever. He shows up and the dude is like, how fucking dare you? You carved up my face. I hate you and I'll get revenge. <laughs> like he lays it all out there from the first time this character is on screen. He's like, I'm going to take away everything that matters to you, ruin your life and get revenge. And long is like, ha, don't be that way. Help me make a lantern. Don't you want to win this? this arbitrary lantern contest (laughs) and so like immediately long as bad decision after bad decision uh in a in a twist that is revealed immediately and is not like we the audience are not even left to wonder like who is this masked killer uh the craftsman who hates him and swore revenge and has the the hideously scarred face uh turns out to be a masked killer who is getting his revenge. It's an incredible mask. I love it. Very cool, like slasher villain character. Uh, It has like a fur rim and is basically like a, like an ape or monkey costume. Uh, So he looks like this big, scary monkey who has a skull face and it's, it's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet character. Um, But the, the skull faced ape uh, begins uh, kidnapping uh, women and skinning them, uh, and surprise it's the craftsman literally we get one scene of him in the costume and then the next scene he's like i'm that guy yep <laughs> uh and so yeah the
0: oh the guy that hates master lung
1: yeah it's that guy it's shocking uh which is like a hilarious thing to me about this movie that it follows the structure of like a western slasher flick but like without understanding the structure of it so like it has all of the beats and all of like the major scenes but kind of forgot to like hide the identity of the killer until the end. So immediately we know who the killer is. Uh, And he, yeah, he's abducting people who are important to Lung. He abducts the, uh, the sex worker that he, you know, had been having a long-term affair with, uh, but also starts uh, messing with, uh, with master tan as part of like a, a sort of half-hearted conspiracy to like make them think that it's each other and like send the police after one or the other of them it's not like the most uh, masterminded of plots, but it works because everyone in this movie is kind of a dumb asshole. Yeah. And, and so Lung, who is an utterly unlikable protagonist, uh, he, you know, believes it's tan. Even when the killer comes into his house without a mask, breaks into his house, attacks him and his wife, and he's like, what are you doing? Why Why are you doing this? And he says, Oh, you came into my house uninvited. And Lung is like, oh, it was a misunderstanding. Because I walked into your house uninvited, you were mad at me. But now we're even. I understand. And like, dude, he showed up at your house and attacked your wife. And you're like, oh, classic misunderstanding. And then like later, Lung's wife gets kidnapped. And he's like, fuck, who could this be?
0: Who could possibly hate me and know everyone that I like and is important to
1: me? Yeah, it is. It's a hilarious premise in which uh, the really obvious killer keeps telling everyone he's the killer and Long is like, boy, I can't wait to win that lantern festival. <laughs> um, but he is kidnapping women, skinning them alive, using their skin to make lanterns. Uh, it's super gory and horrific, uh, similar to a Texas chainsaw. Uh, but it also has some fucking banger fight scenes. Uh the final fight in which he is this unstoppable uh juggernaut of a slasher villain uh very much you know your Jason Voorhees or your Mike Myers uh character who is yeah kind of like physically imposing but also just cannot be killed like they slash him they stab him they they hack this dude up for a while and finally set him on fire uh you know, similar to how a lot of slasher villains are dealt with, but also specifically techs in, you know, Leatherface. Yeah. Uh But yeah, it's, it's really fun because it does give you the thing that like, I always want. And I think only this and Dreadnought have, have done, which is that you get like your iconic slasher villain, you know, you get your Freddy Krueger, your Jason, your Michael Myers, your Leatherface, uh, but they know martial arts. And so instead of like, running from them and like uh maybe you set a trap or you like you hit him with a shovel or whatever there's a protracted martial arts duel where it's like i just gotta fight this guy and he's really good at fighting uh and i just always want that to be the case because it's my two loves yeah uh, so yeah this this is a movie that you know does a thing that i adore uh but there's also a, a really really good fight scene between lung and tan uh that just like even removed from the context of the movie, I love as a scene because you have these two asshole rich guys who are both like martial arts experts have a really really sick fight where it's like uh, uh, Master Tan has this long axe and it's really cool axe choreography, um, but just like a legitimately beautiful fight scene. And the way it ends is the the masked killer with the the face of like a skeletal ape shows up and attacks Tan and they're all like oh shit I guess it wasn't you <laughs> and <laughs> it's the the like the cinematography Detection! yeah the cinematography of the scene where like the, the the slasher villain shows up and attacks Tan is like really really gorgeous there's like one shot in particular that I like would just be like a cool like desktop background or something where they're like this is a beautiful movie yeah and they're like up on the balcony and you've got this really like Eerie figure, like the villain, really is like his movement and his costume. He's like a creepy dude, and he's just grabbing this like kung fu guy by the throat. And it's just, yeah, it's really good. It's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, tell me, tell me your thoughts. I'm sorry, I'm just like talking about movies I love. And I, I
0: no, I love watching up. you talk about it. And I adored this movie. I I loved like the choreography was stunning, and Master Lung is a <laughs> huge knucklehead. Um, but. Both in its villain and like what he does with his victims, um, I love this movie. Yeah, it's I so fun. Like the scenes in which he like has them tied up and he's like skinning them, um, feel very like slasher, but also in some elements kind of jello in the way they're shot.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: you know, like you just see like the gloved hands working, and you know, like the 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 blade and
1: yeah Um, it does have like yeah kind of those elements you're right it has
0: they're they're not as overt but they're there um but then you like see the lantern creations, and they're actually pretty. They're
1: really cool lanterns. Cool looking. You're like, they're would, really good looking. Like, that would definitely win a contest. And I was
0: actually talking to someone about this the other day, where a lot of the times when something is like hyped up to be great in a movie, where it's like this great work of art or this uh, song or poem or whatever it may be, it usually doesn't actually like come up to par. Like, they're yeah, not, yeah. they're like, eh, it's fine. Like, where it's like, this is the greatest sandwich ever made. and It's just a fucking PB&J or something. Yeah. Um, but the lanterns are actually, like, fantastic. So it's like, maybe there is a point as to why he, like, wants gentle human skin. Yeah, like,
1: maybe it's, maybe it's the right move.
0: Um. But it not only felt like a perfect pairing, but something that I would, like, love the shit out of if I found organically. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um And... For all, like, the doofy master lung scenes, I think especially once we get to, like, that final fight where everyone has, like, found his lair and they're all attacking each other and they're, like, jumping into the basement and then out of the basement and, like, you know, stabbing through walls that it's such a controlled chaos where, like, it's not even, like, super brightly lit. So a lot of the times somebody's, like, jumping in and out of shadows. Yeah. Um, but it's blocked so fucking well that you're not missing anything at any point. And it's like we just got like this nice wide shot of everybody knowing exactly where they're supposed to be. That like on anything else would feel like I'm watching like a hockey game or something where I'm just like, "Where's the fucking right, puck?" Right. Uh, but uh, it's it's just so balanced.
1: No, it's it's so well done, and it like it's one of it's one of the very few movies that does like kind of give me. Uh, give me hope that like martial arts and horror can like coexist yeah. in a single piece uh, because I, I think they pair very well, you know, as double features, but you always kind of run into the thing of like, you know, if, if your protagonist is a, is an expert martial artist, it kind of reduces uh, the fear and dread and like the sense of vulnerability that is necessary yeah. for horror because like Blade is all the trappings of a horror movie like it's super violent you got a bunch of vampires and like supernatural creatures but you're never worried about i'm Blade. never worried about anyone in Blade. yeah you never feel a sense of fear because like you're like i adore it yeah you're like no wesley snipes is gonna wreck these dudes yeah um but like this one wreck these motherfuckers trying to skate up hill and ice skates <laughs> yeah some motherfuckers always trying to do it um god i love that line anyways
0: it's from his brain it's just
1: a thing that wesley snipes says he's just on the phone he's like oh you know man some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill and you're like really that's just like in your regular vernacular that's just how you just invented that phrase fuck i love wesley snipes wesley snipes is brilliant man i hope he punches me someday (laughs) uh. anyways uh yeah like you know in in most movies that have like elements of horror and martial arts you don't necessarily feel like it like fully delivers on both counts and like the villain in this he's a good slasher villain like he's a scary dude and you know that last scene it's like oh hell yeah cool ass martial arts set piece but his movement is like frightening like his weird kung fu style where he'll like skitter across the floor he like feels kind of ethereal and like i don't know i think it has moments that are effective of both i think that it like doesn't understand how to be a slasher movie. <laughs> so if it did that better, you know, it's it's not perfect is what I'm saying in terms of being martial arts and horror, but I think there's room there where you, like you can see a version of this movie that is like an effective slasher and a good martial arts movie. Um it has like the moment where Lung uh has his revelation where he's like, "Oh no. You mean the killer is and it's like it's been him this whole time and he has a series of flashbacks, but it comes again, a full like 40 minutes after the audience has been shown who the killer is. And after the killer has basically announced that it's him. So like you, you get that trope, you get the scene, but it like doesn't quite land. And then there's also the moment where they're fighting him and they like rip his mask off again, as though it's going to be a reveal. And it's like, no, he's been saying it (laughs) like he's been been here the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, it de- it's not perfect, but it's, it's fantastic. It's it's fantastic. And it's w- like as a movie, I think it's like a, an incredible movie. But as, you know, a mixture of martial arts and horror, there's like a groundwork there where you're like, I could see it working like it, yeah. could, it could happen someday. Absolutely. It gives me hope. Uh, it also I think like Leatherface has enough of like uh, kind of messy, like wrestling and scrapping between, uh, you know, Benny, the survivalist and like. Leatherface and Tex and there's you know like not a not a shootout necessarily but he like machine guns a room full of people and then he like has a has a fight with Tex like a fist fight in which he lights him on fire there's enough action in there that you're like you know if this was choreographed just a little bit different like there's room for this to be a martial arts horror movie as well you know like there's no reason that Tex wouldn't be a good fighter and that like Benny wouldn't know some martial arts so like I'm just saying, if they had choreographed that a little different, is the uh, both of these movies could have been...
0: Right in that same spot? Could have been
1: right in that same spot.
0: So I actually immediately, as soon as we started watching Human Lantern, knew what I snack pairing was going to be.
1: Oh, yeah? Because
0: I think this is a phenomenal double feature. I'd be thrilled to see these two together. Upon oh, opening, chicharón. they open the same way. Um, you got me. Um, so it was specifically Chicharrones and Crepes. Um, oh, so that way, also, if you don't like, you know, if you don't eat meat or you don't eat pork, because I know there's plenty of reasons why you don't eat pork, um, the crepes, when held up to light, kind of look like the skin in yeah. human lanterns. So everybody gets their options of uh, pork rinds and uh, um, crepes, crepes for their uh, movie snacks. Oh, that's really fun. Right? That's good. Yeah, yeah. Or you can have both, which I will. Cause...
1: You just wrap chicharrones up in crepes and you have. <laughs> just i don't even a know a horrific new snack i was like i was like yeah and you have an abomination <laughs> i don't think that's good is that good because you get some sweet you get some salty you get some crunch
0: yeah i think that works i think, think that'll work yeah uh what are we name in this double feature
1: i mean i liked when you called them skin flakes i thought that was very funny i think I it's a skin flakes double feature right, it is pretty good um all right good double feature I'm, good snack pick
0: good double feature good snack pick great names uh because if you see skin flakes you're either gonna see a great double feature or like you know you're ho- you're hoping for porn but you get this um, and i mean
1: honestly like you still get vigo so I'm not yeah. too mad about it <laughs> yeah. it's not like anyone is gonna watch texas chainsaw massacre 3 and be like dang i want it to be hornier like you're gonna watch it and be like yeah that was the right vigo. amount yeah uh
0: where are gonna people find you
1: Oh, uh, geez, um, you can find me on Twitter. You usually go first, and so I panicked.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, blah, 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 blah. that was a rewind button. Nice, um, nailed it. You can find me under at on all forms of social media. Uh, every Thursday, you can catch me on Fandom Tabletop And starting in May, I'm going to be running my own game Yeah. for the very first time. I've never GM'd before. And specifically, I wanted to run a game using a model that they had um, to where I can run a horror game. And I I know a lot of us like wish we can interact with each other because we're in different places or a lot of us like miss our movie going friends. And so I wanted to make something that was a great example of like even if you're like not necessarily that into tabletop or it seems kind of intimidating you can make your own stories with this you can get a lot of those like creative scary stories that you've been trying to find an outlet for this way and with your friends and i i think it's a perfect match for a horror vehicle and i'm hoping this can demonstrate that so uh, it's called uh, stranger town's Stranger Towns is the model that I'm going with the, the what I've named it uh, without giving away anything is a uh, man in the um because it's taking place in 1999 baby yeah. um, and uh yeah I'm I'm beyond thrilled. I've been writing out the game for a little bit now and it's still kind of evolving as people pick their own characters because they're having fun picking these like horror movie trope characters. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch people play around in a world I made. Heck yeah.
1: It's going to be very fun and exciting. Thank you. uh, I look forward to someday uh, playing in a game that you GM after you decide that you're very good at it.
0: (laughs) And you can find the podcast under uh, kick Scream pod on all forms of socials. And we love hearing from you.
1: Yeah. And you can find me uh, competing for first prize in the local lantern festival. and on twitter i'm at elijah underscore pizza see that's why i need to go after you is because i use the time that you're talking about uh all of your work to try to come up with a stupid themed joke and every time that's where i I try to come up with it so when you make me go first i got nothing
0: i know i get you babe yeah and uh as always do what you can to support your local movie theaters because uh we all want a place to watch movies together when all this is over and also who knows there might be a kicking and screaming tour we love you bye we love you bye